Atheists Are Fools, Part 2. And I'll read from uh, Psalm 14.1, and then we're going to do a little review, and then we'll finish this off today. I had just too much for last week. Psalm 14.1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. And I'll read 2 and 3. They, the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Now, atheistic naturalism became the dominant worldview of American intellectuals by the 1930s. It really started before the Civil War and just kept getting worse until by the 1930s they'd really taken over. Darwinian evolution, higher, biblical higher criticism, that is the position that the Bible is full of mistakes and myths and it's a man-made document and so forth, became accepted in all the major universities the mainline Protestant denominations and their seminaries, the large media outlets, the New York Times, and many politicians. <clears throat> the secular humanistic elite now believe that since most educators and scientists no longer look to the Bible for truth and guidance, mankind was now capable of solving all their problems. This is uh, optimistic secular humanism. And it's reflected in the Star Trek series of the 60s and, of course, the 90s with Picard, where... Uh, They've gotten beyond disease and racism and crime and everything's just wonderful. That's their optimistic view of secular humanism. If you get rid of, if you get rid of religion, everything's going to be great. That's their view. The majority of Americans found themselves in churches which no longer believed and submitted to the Bible. There was a certain form of godliness and going through the motions, but a denial of God's power and authority. See 2 Timothy 3.5. The majority of the American people now look to the civil government, scientists, artists, and intellectuals as saviors who would bring mankind into a sort of millennial paradise. That's that optimistic secular humanism. If the secular humanistic worldview was true and the Christian worldview false, one could reasonably assume that the expectations of the social planners would come true. But what if the Christian worldview was true and the secular humanistic worldview was false? Would not a wholesale rejection of God, who really does exist, and his revelation to mankind in the Bible, in favor of incoherent, irrational nonsense, bring disaster to American society and culture? And is this not just what happened? World War I, World War II, the rise of communism, which murdered millions and millions of people, way more people than Hitler killed. The rise of fascism. And you say, well, the fascists had a close relationship with the Roman Catholic Church. Well, we're Protestants. We believe the Roman Catholic Church is apostate and heretical and that the Pope is an Antichrist. So uh, that's no good argument against Christianity, pointing to some corrupt, heretical sect. Our society is falling apart, for without the Christian world and life view, society shifts towards more lawlessness, and this results in statism. The state will function as the god of that society, and it will simply make up its own ethics. And you had uh, Tucker Carlson going over there praising Russia and praising Putin and their system. He's an idiot. Tucker Carlson is an idiot. And the conservatives in the Republican Party this uh, 
not helping Ukraine and this, this kind of, uh, let's go back to uh, isolationism, is absolute foolishness. If Poland, prior to Hitler entering Poland, had been armed to the teeth and had a bunch of troops in Poland, World War II could have been avoided. Fleeing from problems doesn't solve problems. Now keep in mind that according to seculars, that is atheistic naturalists, man is a mutating speck in a universe of mutating specks. The only constant change is change itself. This is the worldview of nihilism, the idea there's no really meaning, absurdity and irrationality. Yet while holding to such an absurd irrational view of reality, the secular humanist proclaims himself the champion of rationality and science. Without an absolute, unchanging, ultimate starting point, real knowledge and science are impossible. Okay, and what they do is they stand on the Christian worldview. They do so inconsistently. They steal ideas from the Christian world and life view so they can talk about ethics. And so they can talk about real fixed laws. So they can talk about real meaning. Because their system gives no meaning. So by making man the source of meaning, man becomes absolute, the unifier of knowledge, in their view. But how can man, who is both a product of chance and finite, be the source of meaning? He cannot. According to the secular humanistic worldview, man does not have a soul or a spirit, but is purely a material organism. All of man's endeavors and emotions are simply the electrochemical responses of a physical brain. And Bertrand Russell, the famous atheist, has written a much quoted paragraph to the effect that man is a product of causes which had no provision of his emergence, that his hopes and fears are the accidental collocations of atoms, that no heroism or intensity of thought can preserve an intellectual life beyond the grave, that all human labor, inspiration, and genius are destined to extinction and will be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Now, at least he's honest. At least he is honest. For the secular humanist, the source of ethics, morality of law is not God, but man. The atheistic naturalist says that ethics are whatever man happens to say they are at a given point in time. In such a system, moral law is merely opinion, custom, community standards, what the state says, or in the case of the United States, whatever the Supreme Court, Supreme Court says. Why do you think the Democrats are obsessed with the Supreme Court? Because that's their God. You want to have homosexual marriage? The Supreme Court says, that's great. Go ahead. You want to murder babies? If the Supreme Court says, go ahead. It's now declared to be moral. That is making man God. And there's a famous quote. It's in Rush Duties Institutes of Biblical Law where they, it's one of the, I think it's Holmes, one of the early Supreme Court justices. They asked him, well, what is, what is the source of law? What is the source of, of, of absolutes in American society? So, well, he says, whatever the majority of the Supreme Court says it is. So you get the, or an intellectual elite, or you have hospital ethical boards. Man determines what is right and wrong for himself, and if man changes his mind, that what used to be wrong is now permiss permissible, even virtuous. The secular humanist, who seeks to establish ethical norms apart from the triune God of the Bible, actually perverts and destroys moral imperatives. Ethics cannot exist and operate in a void. If the universe is a product of chance and impersonal, then people have no real reason not to lie, cheat, murder, and steal, other 
than the coercive power of the state, the police, the prisons, etc. And if you want to see the results of secular humanism, look at the inner cities. Look at Kensington, Pennsylvania. Look at Philadelphia. Look at Los Angeles, Chicago. If God doesn't exist, steal, do whatever you want. Just try not to get caught. That's the worldview. Young people aren't stupid. Do you really think that young people are going to be honest, chaste, and moral because their parents are some celebrity or the state says it's a good idea? And of course, they can see the inconsistencies. Anybody who's in favor of abortion on demand is clearly not a moral person. For murder is, especially murdering of an innocent baby, it, it, there's about nothing more heinous than that. To the Nazi exterminating jurors was virtuous. Stalin and the communists murdered 20 million farmers for humanity. To the radical feminist, murdering unborn babies is a virtue. It's almost a sacrament. To the gang member, torturing and murdering one's opponent, cutting off his hands and his legs and his head. That's virtuous. That's a good thing. If morality is constantly changing, evolving, and if it is only what man happens to believe at any given moment, then the medical, the modern ethical maxim is do whatever you want, just don't get caught. And if you do get caught, blame it on somebody else. Oh, it's the white man's fault. It's white racism. It's white privilege. That's why I dropped out of school. That's why I got five women pregnant. That's why my women have had 10 abortions. That's why I steal and rob and cheat. It's the white man's fault. Don't blame me. Here's what Cornelius Fantil says. To say that there is or must be an objective standard is not to say the same as to say what the standard is. Okay, so a lot of atheists will say, well, yeah, we believe in an objective standard. And it is the what that is all important. Granted, the non-Christian who holds some sort of something somewhere above man are better than non-Christians who hold nothing whatsoever above man. It remains true that in the main issue, the non-Christian objectivists are no less subjective than are the non-Christian subjectivists. Okay, the older humanists, you know, like 1700s, believe, would say they, they, they would say they reject Christianity, but they say there's natural laws, there's natural ethics in nature that we have to adhere to. So they're objectivists, even, but even though they're arbitrary. <clears throat> but there's what, but one alternative that is basic. It is that between those who obey the God and Christ of Scripture and those who seek to please themselves. Only those who believe in God through Christ seek to obey God. Only they have the true principle in ethics. And that's from his book, Christian the Theistic Ethics. <clears throat> the unbeliever cannot have true knowledge and wisdom because they are in rebellion against God. It's that simple. By believing Christians, because... Uh, However, seek to glorify God, obey Him out of love and gratitude, and understand the world in light of God's Word. Those are the alternatives. The unbeliever suppresses the truth and lives in rebellion against God's Word. The unregenerate consciousness, Ephesians 2, 1-3, slavery to the devil, John 8, 44, Hebrews 2, 14-15, and sin is a lifestyle, John 8, 34, and 2 Corinthians 8, 14, affects the, one, the way unbelievers analyze reality and and conduct their affairs. It affects every aspect of their consciousness and everything they touch. 
Their whole way of thinking and living is informed by their hostility to God. So what I'm saying is, last week we considered the fact you cannot separate metaphysics or being from the idea of epistemology. They're connected. Well, you also cannot separate those things from ethics, your view of ethics. They all are interrelated. And only the Christian world life view accounts for everything. Faith in Jesus Christ, which is the only way to fear God, is a prerequisite for a correct use of reason and proper empirical analysis of the universe. One's love and reverence of the true and living God uh, for true knowledge, because secularism, which is idolatry, always comes up with interpretations based on humanistic, naturalistic, antichrist presuppositions. Understanding can only occur within the broad framework of orthodox Christian theology. The hostility of unbelief has as a starting point the meaninglessness of every God-created fact in the universe. The fear of God is the necessary foundation or framework for properly interpreting any fact, event, philosophy, ethical system, law, order, or culture that is there, that there is. Secular humanism or atheistic naturalism normalizes sin and rebellion and praises as well as rewards intellectual and moral rebellion against the Lord. That is, <coughs> that is why the more consistent the secularistic view is applied to culture and society, the more cursed and evil that society, that society becomes. Look at the Soviet Union. Look at communist China. By suppressing the truth about God, which is clearly seen in the created order, unbelievers have their reasonings reduced to foolishness and are given over to sexual immorality and all sorts of disgusting perversions. Romans 1, 22 to 20, 121 and 22 and 24 and following. They receive in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Romans 1, 27. <coughs> your idea of being, your idea of epistemology, your idea of ethics are all intimately inter interrelated. Paul's description of unbelievers in Ephesians 4, 17-14 supports this teaching. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the, true, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The word futility, metayoites, which is translated vanity in the old King James Version, Futility is a better translation than vanity. Comes from the idea of emptiness. In Romans 1.21, Paul says, they became futile in their thinking. Futility of the mind is the direct result of rejecting the true God. This is emphasized in the Psalms, the Proverbs, Romans, Ephesians, and many places. If there is no longer a creator who gives meaning and purpose to the facts and every aspect of our lives, then life is empty, meaningless, purposelessness, futile. 
A consistent secular humanist is a nihilist. The popular secular humanist, Aldous Huxley, very famous atheist, writes, quote, For myself, as no doubt, for most of my contemporaries, <coughs> and this is written in the 1930s, for most of my contemporaries, <coughs> the philosophy of, meaning, of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation. Okay, they're casting off the old Christian order for liberation. He's honest here. He's admitting we've adopted this worldview so we could sin. The liberation we desired was simultaneously liberation from a certain political and economic system. Okay, they're, they're shifting from capitalism to communism. And liberation from a certain system of morality. The Christian world and life view. The Ten Commandments. No homosexuality, no adultery, no fornication, etc. We objected to the Christian morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. There was one admirably simple method of confuting these people, that is the Christians. And at the same time, justifying ourselves in our political and erotic revolt. We could deny that the world had any meaning whatsoever. End of quote. <coughs> Wait, very honest. People don't speak that honest nowadays. It is biblically predictable that atheistic naturalists deny the true God and creationism because they desire sexual liberation. That is, they want complete freedom to sin and rebel as they please. And all these, you know, these, these atheists are noted for their immorality. Yet in rejecting the foundation of meaning, purpose, and salvation, they almost universally turn to statism and state coercion as the new God and Savior. And even in Star Trek in the 60s, and in, of course in the 90s, the Federation. You not only have a one world government, you have a one universe government with absolute control over everything. It's the Federation. And you can see the multiculturalism because you're not to interfere with different planets' development, no matter how wicked and evil they are. On the one hand, they want complete ethical chaos. But on the other hand, they want the state to define and control virtually everything. In Great Britain, they don't have our freedom of speech laws. 3,500 people were arrested in one year for saying things on the internet that the state didn't like. That's Great Britain. A young girl's friend got killed in a car accident or something. And she quoted her favorite rap song as a memorial to her on the internet, which course had the n-word in it because rap is written by most of the rap is disgusting black literature of a degenerate culture and what did the state do they arrested her for racism and she was convicted anarchism and immorality naturally leads to statism and tyranny if there is no real transcendent god then humanists will make sinful foolish men into their deity Men, by nature, desire meaning and purpose because we're created in the image of God. That's why there's false religions everywhere. 
in Romans 1. Men suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They suppress the truth about the true and living God revealed in nature. They suppress it continuously. But what do they do? They turn around and they worship idols. And atheists are very religious. Secular humanists are very religious. They worship mankind. When they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, they seek meaning in idolatry and a life of sinful lusts. And they follow the philosophy of the magician and Satanist Alistair Crowley who said that the chief commandment of the Satanist is do what thou wilt. You like bestiality? Go for it. You like adultery and fornication? Go for it. You like uh, theft? Do whatever you want. And one of the fastest growing religions in the world today, especially in the West, is Satanism and witchcraft. <clears throat> Evolutionists Evolutionists have therefore unwittingly turned the doctrine of creation upside down. Instead of believing in natural order and special revelation which teaches that a sovereign, all-powerful, ontological, personal God created the universe, they have embraced the position that an autonomous, sovereign, amazingly powerful, arbitrary, evolving, impersonal universe has created the sovereign, saving, personal God, mankind. From purposelessness from cosmic impersonalism, from pure chance and flux and contingency, to man as the giver of meaning and purpose. Man is God. Man, they say, creates ethics, and this ethical system is always evolving, adapting, and changing to meet new and unforeseen circumstances. This idea of evolving man as God to create an evolution evolving ethical system that is constantly in flux has recently shifted in postmodernism fashion to the idea that subjective feelings, impressions, assertions actually, actually create reality. So this transgendered movement, which is one of the most perverted, disgusting, sick things you can think of, it's not, yeah, I'm a man, but I really like being, I like dressing up as a woman and I like pretending I'm a woman because I'm a sex pervert. No, it's I am a woman. Well, biologically, you're not a woman. Physically, you're not a woman. Mentally, you're not a woman. Because you think something subjectively, we are told, you have to re respect that. And they really are a woman. And so Tampax has a campaign for transgendered men, men who pretend to be women, for tampons. Now, what would they need that for? <laughs> Our society has gone mad. If you think you are a woman, then you are a woman, even though you're really a man. The old left-wing Enlightenment thinkers believe that humanity was the true and only God. But they often still sought, at least, or spoke about finding absolutes in the laws of nature. Okay, the, secular, the humanists of the 1700s. Even though their concept of natural law was a smokescreen for human autonomy, they still believed in absolutes existing out there somehow in the natural order. The influence of macroevolution, where men are hold to a materialistic, purely arbitrary chance universe, has shifted secular humanism toward mysticism, absurdity, madness, and wicked self-imposed delusions. All of this proves the truth and wisdom of the biblical testimony. The whole point of rejecting the true and living God and creationism is to follow Satan's worldview. Genesis 3, 5. You shall be as God, determining for yourself what is good and what is evil. 
And that perfectly fits with Romans chapter 1, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 14, 1, Proverbs 1, 7 and 29, etc., etc., etc. Perhaps better than anyone. Russus John Rushton, his contrast to the biblical worldview on this issue with secular and pagan macroevolutionary thought. And this is from his masterpiece. Uh, it's expensive. It's, it's, I think it's in print, but it's expensive. The One of the Many, Studies in the Philosophy of Order and Ultimacy, 1971. Quote, in this concept, being is evolving and in process. Because being is in process, and being is seen as one and undivided, truth itself is tentative, evolving, and without finality. Since being has not assumed a final form, since the universe is in process and is not yet a finished product, truth itself is in process and is continually changing. A new movement or leap of being can give man <coughs> a new truth and render yesterday's truth a lie. But in, but in an order created by perfect, a perfect, omniscient, and totally self-conscious being, God, truth is both final, specific, and authoritative. Okay, there are ethical absolutes. There are real truths. God's word can then be, and is inevitably infallible, because there is nothing tentative about God himself. Moreover, Truth is ultimately personal because the source God is personal and truth becomes incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ and is communicated to those who believe in him. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the way, the truth, and the life is also the Christian principle of continuity. The Christian doctrine, therefore, involved a radical break with the pagan doctrine of continuity of being and with the doctrine of chaos. It also involved a break with the other aspect of the dialectic, the pagan, rationalistic concept of order. Order is not the work of autonomous and developing gods and men, but rather the sovereign decree of the omnipotent God. This faith freed man from the sterile autonomy which made him the helpless prisoner of fate or the relentless workings of a blind order. End of quote. And Rustin is just downright brilliant. And he, he builds on the foundation of, Rush, of, uh, of Van Til. Just fantastic. In our study, we can see why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. If men do not acknowledge God in their thinking, but rather suppress the truth, and in the process may mock Yahweh, they all do, they all mock God, they all mock Christ, cling to idols and give themselves over to idolatry, they will not be able to make sense out of the God-created universe or even about themselves. As Paul says, you know, why not eat, me or eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Life has no meaning. So just have as much fun as you possibly can, if you're into that, uh, and die. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts are darkened. In addition, the Western nations who once generally formed what historians called Christendom have turned their backs on the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ himself. This process, which is apostasy, places them under an even more guilt and liability of punishment because they are rebelling against the perspicuous, inspired, infallible special revelation of God. 
See 1 Corinthians 1, 20-29. It's one thing if you reject natural revelation and suppress the truth about God and worship idols. It's another thing when you reject the perspicuous, inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect word of the living God and mock it and make fun of it even though it's self-authenticating and absolutely true. Our only hope for knowledge and wisdom is to place our faith solely in Jesus Christ so we can fear God and serve him with our minds and bodies. As fallen creatures guilty of sin, to know ourselves we must first know God. We must be regenerated and cleansed by the blood of Christ. For in him, Colossians 2.3, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We must put off the ignorant, rebellious, unconverted, idolatrous old man and put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. See Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, and of course that's repeated in Colossians. What was lost in the fall is restored by Jesus Christ. Now we're not glorified and perfect until we go to heaven. But in principle, we're where we should be. We must die with Christ from the basic principles of this fallen, corrupt world order and be raised with Jesus Christ in order to seek those things which are above. Colossians 2.20 and Colossians 3.1. Therefore, Paul warns us, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Why? For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power, Colossians 2, 8 through 10. So it is ironic and indeed tragic that the West's so-called enlightenment and supposed liberation from the darkness of Christianity has resulted in a process that is leading to the fall of Western civilization. Look at San Francisco, Detroit, New York City, Chicago, Look at what's happening. I was in Portland. I was in a drum bugle corps in the late in the late 1960s, and we did a parade in Portland. Portland was the most beautiful, clean city, the city of roses, beautiful parks, no graffiti, no crime, very little crime, no homeless, no drug addicts, and we we young kids could walk around the city totally safe. Now it's a hellhole. And this is what secular humanism brings. They're being consistent with their worldview. And as they do so, the fall of Western civilization is upon us. And you Republicans who think of Putin as a wonderful guy and he's standing up for Christianity, he's a Satanist. The church in Russia was controlled by the KGB. They're totally satanic. Anybody who sanctions murdering innocent women and children and pregnant women and invading a country unlawfully and murdering people. Those are wicked false prophets. They're antichrists. Men have rejected the truth for mystification, madness, status propaganda, and gross immorality. Without the fear of God and the remnants of the Christian world and life view, As it fades from social memory, society increasingly returns to pagan savagery. 
when I was in high school, I used to hitchhike to San Francisco. We'd walk all over the city. Now, sodomites would try to pick up on us because they like young, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. You couldn't do that today. You'd, you'd be exceedingly dangerous. Let us learn from Calvin, who recognized that we cannot understand ourselves unless we first are restored to true knowledge of God through Christ. He says this. This is from the Institutes. He says that not a particle of light or wisdom or justice or power or rectitude or genuine truth will anywhere be found which does not flow from him and of which he is not the cause. He's talking about God. And that's the great, that's how he begins his institutes. You have to know God if, you, if you're going to know yourself. You have to know God if you're going to have a good society. He writes, he continues, No man can survey himself without forthwith turning his thoughts toward God in whom he lives and moves. And because it is perfectly obvious that the endowments which we possess cannot possibly be from ourselves, nay, our very being is nothing else than subsistence in God alone. Calvin, like Cornelius Van Til, understood that as a restored, regenerate creatures, to know anything properly, correctly, and deeply, we must study God's revealed interpretation of reality and conform our thinking unto it. God has created the facts, God sustains and controls the facts, and he gives us the proper meaning and interpretation of those facts. Secular humanists are blind men groping about in the dark, and they are destroying Western civilization. You know, when your worldview is so bad, let's think of the Democrats for a minute, when your worldview is so bad that you have to lie every single day about virtually everything to get elected and to control the people, that's not a solid worldview to build a foundation upon. When Everything's a lie. They build everything on a lie, and they lie continuously. But someone may ask, what about other forms of monotheism, such as Islam, Judaism, and Unitarianism? You know, there's various Unitarian cults. Cannot they give meaning to our existence in the same way as biblical Christianity? And the answer is, to the question is no, they cannot, for a few reasons. Number one, the God who exists is a triune God. God is one in being in essence, with three interpersonal distinctions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three are one. All three are God. They have intercommunion with each other. The Trinity is taught throughout both the Old and New Testaments, and is denied by Jews because they follow the Pharisaical, heretical understanding of Scripture, and, of course, the Talmud, not the Bible. Now, I have more in common with an Orthodox Jew on the subject of ethics than I do with an atheist. But without Christ, and without the triune God of Scripture, they're just stealing some elements from the Christian world and life view, and they're generally terrible on other things. We must submit to what the Bible says, not to a bunch of heretics who are Unitarians who deny salvation by faith alone. They embrace salvation by works. The God who is is transcendent, outside the universe, ontological, that is self-contained, in need of nothing outside of himself, and triune, three persons, one God. The problem of unity and diversity, the one and the many, is resolved in the triune God of the Bible. God creates reality and controls it. He reveals truth to man through the revolu his revelation in the Bible. Thus men can have true truth as long as it is dependent on God's revelation. He must think God's thoughts after him. The knowledge that the unbeliever has is stolen from the Christian worldview. And here's Van Til again. Quote, if we are to have coherence in our experience, there must be a correspondence of our experience to the eternally coherent experience of God. 
Human knowledge ultimately rests upon the internal coherence within the Godhead. Our knowledge ultimately rests upon the ontological trinity as its presupposition. End of quote. <coughs> 1949, Introduction to Systematic Theology. Number two. And this is something you should keep in your mind and always remember this. As the Christian doctrine of God and the Christian doctrine of salvation through Christ alone, only the Christian doctrine of God and the Christian doctrine of salvation through Christ alone is consistent with God's holy and righteous character. So ultimately, Judaism and Islam and the Unitarian cults, which all believe in salvation by works, deny the doctrine of God. Yeah, they affirm belief in a God, but it's the wrong God. It's an idol. Judaism, Unitarianism, Islam, and the various monotheistic cults all teach salvation by human works and thus deny the biblical definition of who God is. When we argue that God is absolutely necessary in order for man to have knowledge, meaning, dignity, ethics, and so on, we are not arguing for any type of God, but specifically for the Christian God who has revealed himself infallibly in the Bible. This is not an argument for theism in general, it's an argument for the true God who exists in Jesus Christ. Only the triune God and only the Christian system which he has revealed to man can account for reality and answer the questions that secular humanism cannot answer. Other forms of theism, such as Islam and Judaism, cannot be offered as viable worldviews against secular humanism because they, like secular humanism, have embraced human autonomy as a source for truth over biblical revelation. <coughs> they reject the Trinity. They reject Jesus Christ, as defined by Scripture. Therefore, Non-Christian theistic systems and worldviews are arbitrary, self-contradictory, and false. An excellent example of self-contradiction is in the area of God's righteousness. The Bible teaches that God is absolutely holy. He's ethically perfect. He's absolutely righteous. He's infinitely holy and righteous. Now, both... Judaism and Islam believe in an absolute ethics which comes from an absolute unchanging God. But both Judaism and Islam reject the atoning sacrificial death of the God-man, Jesus Christ, in favor of salvation by merit or works of righteousness. Now, if God is ethically perfect, and God's law reflects his holy righteous character, every sin must be punished. And the Bible teaches that in both the Old and New Testament. The soul that sins must die. The wages of sin is death. Those who sin are under the curse of the law. Guilt cannot be overlooked by God. It must be expiated, that is, removed, paid for, in full. Only sacrificial death of Christ in the place of his people as a propitiation for sin can harmonize the fact that God is infinitely righteous with the reality that God saves sinners and allows them into his presence. If you don't have Christ, you don't have the truth. If you don't have Christ, you can't be saved. If you don't have Christ, you can't have a coherent system. If you don't have Christ, your view of ethics is inconsistent and absurd. God is both just and the justifier of the ungodly. How? In Christ! Christ reveals the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and that God made him pay the price for his people, the elect. Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved. So there's no neutrality or fence sitting in God's universe. You either wholeheartedly embrace the Lord Jesus Christ or you place your trust in finite sinful men. 
So thus far we've dealt with ideas. And it has been argued that only the biblical worldview, the Christian view of man and the universe, can account for reality for what really is. It has also been noted that secular humanism or atheistic naturalism leads to nihilism, total meaninglessness. The secular humanistic intellectuals are continually stealing ideas and concepts from the Christian system in order to give life and meaning to their bankrupt system. That is why all these guys, Asmanov, Ricky Gervais, all these guys appeal to ethics, but they do so arbitrarily because their system denies ethics. But what is the root cause of mankind problems and what is the solution to these problems? Well, here's where the rubber meets the road. These issues are not just academic in nature. Ideas have consequences. And it is here that the failure of the secular humanist is most glaring. Secular humanism rejects any idea of a transcendent God who speaks with absolute authority regarding ethics and salvation. Therefore, the secular humanist looks to mankind for self-salvation. Self-salvation. What do the Democrats teach? Why do they want all these poor people? Because they want to be the savior. Trust in us. We'll be your God. You just Here's the agreement. You vote for us. You worship us. You follow us. And we'll give you money. We're your savior. We'll solve all your problems. Just look to us as your savior. Historically, secular humans have looked at scientists, intellectuals, and the social planners as the people who would solve mankind's problems. Because the secular state is the focus of power in society, it has become the god of secular humanism. Secular humanists look to the state as man's savior. Why do you think they get so angry when there's a Supreme Court justice, even a Roman Catholic or a Christian? Why do they get so upset? Because it's an acknowledgement that the state's not the total absolute source of authority. They want the state to be the absolute source. They want the state to be God. It's a heresy. If you look to Christ or the real God, then according to them, you're a heretic. The secular humanist looks to the state for primarily two reasons. First, secular humanists are elitists. They believe that the masses are stupid and need to be coerced and controlled by the state for their own good. Second, secular humanists have no concept of original sin or corrupt evil nature of man. The founders of America did. That's why there's all these rules and regulations in our Constitution to protect the people from the state. It's not to protect the state from the people. It's to protect the people from the state. That's why we have the Second Amendment and the First Amendment and so forth. They didn't trust the state because they believed in the fall. They, they had a Christian world and life view when it comes to the fall. Because the secular state is the focus of power in a society, it is the god of secular humanism. Secular humanists look to the state as man's savior. Second, the secular humanists have no cop to original sin. They believe that man is basically good. Man's problem is not ethical, sin in the heart and life, but metaphysical. The problem, as they see it, is not about how to eliminate man's sinful heart and sinful record, but how to change man's environment. Secular humanism envisions man evolving out of his limited, puny finiteness into utopian perfection into godhood. This has been the dream of secular humanism in all its forms, Marxist communism, fascism, socialism, and the welfare state. <clears throat> That's why they don't care about ethics. Submit to the state. Give us your vote. Give us the power. We'll give you money. We'll steal on your behalf. As God, we will save you. The modern secular state, which determines arbitrary laws and proclaims salvation to the masses through its various educational, health, and social programs, has not and cannot save man. It only brings disaster. The state acting as God seeks total jurisdiction over all areas of life. The state becomes man's 
taskmaster, coercive, oppressive, and increasingly irrational. Rejecting the need for an inner ethical change in man's heart and the need for a transcendent God who is the author of absolute unchanging law, the modern secular state actually contributes to societal chaos and anarchy. Secular humanism causes societal anarchy or lawlessness and societal anarchy in turn contributes to government by crisis. They want crisis. They want lawlessness because they want to step in and say, we'll save you. We're your savior. The Christian view is self-government under God through the power of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the word of God. Where you don't have to worry about the state. You don't, have, you don't need the state over look, looking over your shoulder because you're self-governed. Government by crisis in turn leads to more oppressive laws, rules, and regulations. Because the civil government was never intended by God to be man's savior, solve all ills, provide cradle to give security, and become a, uh, etc. And because the secular state is founded upon the irrational and nihilistic presuppositions of secular humanism, it cannot save man. It can only contribute to man's destruction. In every single country where the Christian worldview has been replaced with secular humanism or atheistic naturalism, there has been a steady erosion of freedoms and a rapid decay of the basic institutions of society. I was watching something on YouTube and the, the murder rate of Hollywood back in the, like 1960 was uh, three or four a year. Okay, now it's more like 80 a year. Uh, I listened to the tapes of uh, Rush Dooney and his, his, his buddy, uh, Otto Scott. When Otto Scott was a kid, they used to sleep, they used to take, he, he died a while ago, he, this is the early 1900s, they would go to the park and they would sleep in Central Park. Thomas Sowell, the great uh, black intellectual, who's, 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 you should have all his books here, great. Uh, they would sleep outside on their porch at night in Harlem. Outside, little kids. That's all gone. Secular humanism became dominant in American culture during the 1930s, but it was only during the 1960s that the leaven of Christian influence on the culture was radically cast aside. The level of societal decay, lawlessness, and perversion that has occurred since 1965 is utterly astounding. Ideas have consequences. Not only does secular humanism totally fail in its feeble attempt to explain reality, but when its philosophy of life is adopted by this civil government and society itself, the social order falls into rapid decay and crisis. Can you imagine in the 1950s telling people, yeah, in, in another generation you'll have sodomite marriage. People would be shocked. Secular humanism is destructive of any social order because it destroys any basis, foundation, or reason for morality among politicians, teachers, and the masses. Moral anarchy is always the prelude to status tyranny. As a social order decays morally, as families fall apart and society experiences a massive rise in crime, the masses demand action by the state. The state offers the people salvation through legislation. But because the new laws are not based on God's law, they can only contribute to the problem rather than solve it. The new humanistic laws only result in more anarchy, leading to more tyranny. If you're attacked in New York City or you're attacked in San Francisco and you defend yourself with a gun, the person who's trying to rob and kill you, he's not even going to, he's going to be... He's not even going to be arrested, or if he is arrested, he'll be put out without any bail or anything. You'll go to jail. <coughs> Thus begins a vicious cycle of sin leading to more sin. 
of social degradation leading to more social decline. When people and politicians forsake God and embrace secular humanism, they embark on a pathway toward destruction. America is presently on this path downward toward destruction and judgment. To take men and societies out of God's law is to sentence them to a decline, fall, and death. Instead of liberation, it is execution. Man's liberty is under God's law, and God's law is the life-giving air of men and society, the basic condition of their existence. The only hope for men in society is to wholeheartedly embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is the foundation of all truth, meaning, and morality. He alone is the one who saves man by his precious blood, his life, and his power. The Christian does not look to the expert, the bureaucrat, or the state for salvation, but to Jesus Christ as he is revealed in the scriptures. Christianity recognizes that man's problem is not only is not metaphysical, it's not one of finiteness of being or environmental, bad genes, abuse of parents, or poverty, but ethical. Man is a sinner. Because of Adam's ethical rebellion against God in time and history, all of his descendants are born with a sinful nature. Therefore, all human beings are evil by nature and sinners. Everyone except Jesus Christ commits sin in thought, word, and deed. And this fact is so obvious that only a blind fool would deny it. So we'll end there. But we've seen that atheism not only is, as far as intellectually, philosophically, is complete nonsense. It's completely absurd and leads to complete absurdity. But atheism or secular humanism or atheistic naturalism in practice, when applied to society, when applied to human institutions, leads to anarchy and destruction and statism. If there is no law above the state, then you really don't have the rule of law. In the old days, the rule of law meant, yeah, there's a state and the state has to submit to the same law as the people do. Because God was above the state and above the people. Now, if the state makes all the laws, there is no God. There is no rule of law. You have to submit to the state when, no matter what the state says. And what does that mean? A loss of complete liberty and freedom. But we'll stop there. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his perfect salvation. <coughs> we thank you for your word which points us to your dear son and gives us a true philosophy of life, which gives us meaning, which gives us purpose, that we may serve you, that we may obey your commandments, not to be saved, but out of gratitude for our precious salvation in Christ, our precious justification, which is achieved by Jesus Christ, which we receive solely by faith as an instrument, leads immediately to sanctification and a walking according to your law. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Amen.